From Zero to One for Women. This is a podcast about issues that concern females. It is for women, and in a world that has trouble defining what a woman is, let me make it easy for you. If you have a vagina, you are a woman. Our inaugural episode was the childlessness epidemic. This episode is about missing out on babies when that wasn't part of your plan. I'm not fudging in this podcast what is a salient fact, that for the majority of women on the planet, babies are important. So much so that when women miss out on doing the very thing they wanted to do, have a baby, they suffer grief. And it can be overwhelming. In the Sydney Morning Herald this month, a woman at 46 was said to be disappointed to learn that the door had closed to motherhood, at least in terms of using her own eggs. Now, her age at 46 is by fertility standards old. Your chance of conceiving is effectively nil at 46, so we're doing something terribly wrong if women are surprised or disappointed when learning their fertility window has shut at this age. It surprises me that someone would kid themselves into believing that they stood a fair chance of success falling pregnant using their own eggs at 46. Even with the celebrity stories of women pregnant in their 40s using IVF, I think most women, or at least I thought, most women understood that it's more likely than not this was a result of using frozen eggs from earlier cycles or donor eggs, but that appears not to be the case. I think that perhaps what is also happening is that women don't want to face the reality of childlessness because A, it's too painful, and B, they just have so little control over it. So instead, they bury their head in the sand. It's understandable. It's just too distressing. The woman featured in this article always thought she would have children. That's not unusual. It's a natural instinct the majority of women share and so envisage themselves having a family in the future. I think the reality of her predicament at 46 was so at odds with her hopes that she just couldn't face it. It appears that her not doing so was attributed to not meeting Mr. Wright and not wanting to be a single mother. I think this is a really common story. She was very brave for telling it and is doing a huge service to young women by sharing it. In the last episode, I featured Jodie Day. Listen to her epiphany, which is not so dissimilar. So that day five years ago when I kind of realised with a thud, having just broken up from my sort of most serious post-divorce relationship, that I was 43 and a half, um, that, you know, if I met someone, I'd need to know them for at least a year before we could even think about doing IVF, so then I'd be 44 and a half. It wasn't going to happen. It was too late. And at that moment, it was like I came out of denial. You know, I came out of denial about the fact that I was no longer someone who one day was going to become a mother. You know, I was childless and it wasn't going to change. So the realisation that it's over doesn't appear to really hit home until the door has slammed completely shut. The problem is the door was on a slow close long before this point. The article goes on to say that the woman felt stigmatised for the urgency of needing to find a partner when she was reaching the end of her fertility. I think this is where women need to wrest back control from, from men. They shouldn't be the ones embarrassed. It's the media, Hollywood, the influencers, the culture influencing young people to delay. Just think about it. The sitcoms used to centre on the family. Eight is enough, family ties, Brady Bunch, then it became two and a half men, men behaving badly, 
Now it's animations and TikTok. Nothing to do with family. Rather than being content with this desperate outcome, women should take control of their fertility. They need to demand better treatment from men. Young women need to demand more from their relationships. They need to put a time limit on them and have men fessing up sooner if they're shying responsibility from having a family. When women had the homemaker role and career was largely out of their reach, greater expectations were placed on men to make their intentions very clear. Otherwise, they risk being branded a cad and a bounder. No doubt this was because so much was riding on the outcome for women, not just their future happiness and ability to create a family, but their financial security and place in society. So there was serious reputational harm to men from behaving in a dishonest way, pretending they were committed to a relationship long term in order to get the benefits of intimacy without any of the burdens. They were effectively ostracised. When women became liberated, sexually and financially equal to men, a man's reputation was almost enhanced by hedging commitment, certainly not harmed. It enhanced a man's attractiveness to be seen to be dating a series of women. I think that's a really unfortunate outcome. In the name of equality, women behaved in a similar fashion. However, promiscuity has serious detractions, even removing unwanted pregnancies from the equation through use of the pill or adverse health outcomes from unsafe sex due to education. I'm talking about the emotional toll of cycling through relationships. It causes a lot of anxiety and depression because the fertility window is narrow. So it isn't a good thing for women long term and children. It really devalues women because no longer does a man have to demonstrate his worth he can actually behave reprehensibly with no reputational damage or very little and still have women date him for a decade more than the time frame that females enjoy. There is no equality in that. Loveless sex is not empowering <clears throat> and teaching women that they should be able to try and compete with men on having loveless sex. Only one gender is going to win that, right? It's not going to be the women. Men are going yeah. to continue to run through girls when they can and leave them behind. There was a notion that being sexually liberated meant both women and men could be promiscuous because the downside, unwanted pregnancy, STIs, could be managed through the pill and education, etc. But what wasn't factored into that was a woman's fertility window, her fertility timeline. Waning fertility equates to the waning ability to find a mate. That's the uncomfortable truth. But the 70s and 80s were all about rebelling against everything, turning everything on its head. And I think it is just a, a, an organic backlash to kind of uh, what we might describe as the historic oppression of women socioeconomically. Uh, you know, it's kind of a leaning into that freedom almost uh, at too fast a pace. It's like one speed go foot to the floor on girl boss mode. Um, and, you, you know, you have the corporate giants kind of playing into that. And, uh, yeah, it's just a kind of a, a situation where for the first time maybe in history, men and women aren't relying on each other as obviously as uh, in the past. Um, and, uh, yeah, that it's kind of more individualistic kind of uh, world now. Women were then told that financial security was something they could create themselves. Great. But still, the ability to procreate and also to maintain optimal financial security during childbearing years ideally requires finding the right partner. 
And this hasn't been lost on women. Even Sheryl Sandberg in her book Lean In says the most important thing you can do for your career is find the right partner. Social infertility, which is not finding a partner to have a child with before it's too late. The childlessness epidemic upon us has come about because women have been indoctrinated to disown their maternal instinct for the sake of appearing progressive, edgy and cool. And obviously this appeals to the youth who are impressionable and more short-term in their outlook, which is why we as parents and childless women everywhere, brave enough, have an obligation to fight it. As parents, if we're concerned about the future happiness of our daughters, we should speak out. Childless women are also pressured into silence by the tribe of childless women, the most vocal of whom are those who never wanted children. But that's a minority of the childless tribe. Childless, not by choice women should not be forced to subjugate their views to these views simply because they're not as fashionable. There are a lot of people and money behind this movement to eradicate the importance of family life or cohesion in any sense of the word. There's a big political movement currently whose aim is divisiveness because the upending of social norms creates weakness and dependency. And it tries to drive this political ideology through culture. The people most susceptible and open to dishing norms are the young because young people don't have the benefit of a whole lifetime of experience. Females are at their peak attractiveness in their 20s and early 30s. For men, it continues into their 40s. And for the women who are discarded in their 20s and 30s, they remain childless because no man of equivalent age who wants children is interested in gambling his hopes on on an uncertain proposition, at best an expensive one, which entails fertility treatment. Again, the harsh truth always bites. The Sydney Morning Herald article was a really important message for young women. The women featured said they regret not settling down earlier. That harks back to Jordan Peterson's comment that contrary to the infinite dating landscape of Tinder, you have maybe four, five, six, if you're lucky, long-term relationships to cycle through. You don't have time to waste. If you're reasonably attractive, you'll be able to try out five people. That's it. That's what you've got. You know, because it takes a while to find someone, and then it takes a while to get to know them. And finding them and getting to know them, that's probably something approximating one to two years. And if you do that five times, that's 10 years, and that's your fertility window. The woman featured in the article also regrets not making it a priority of her 20s. Why? Because it's easier to date then. You have more choice, more interest from the opposite sex. Youth is synonymous with fertility and attractiveness to a mate. None of these things are PC, but there are enough childless women of my generation out there who should be helping to change the narrative. As a result of grief counselling, these women are moving on and focusing on other aspects of their lives to feel fulfilled. That's fabulous. But I do think that it would be great if some of these women felt emotionally able to advise the younger generation on everything they wish they'd known but didn't. Not to dwell on the negative and the fantasy of what could have been, but if they're able to talk about missing out, that would be a powerful force for change culturally. These women can advocate for cultural change in society today. 
I do understand the anguish of missing out runs deep and the necessity to regain a positive outlook. But this pivot sometimes gives young people the impression that life is better without kids. Whereas the truth is, you really wanted kids, but you persevered to find fulfillment in spite of not achieving one of your life ambitions. The loss itself isn't to be celebrated. Your coping despite the loss is to be celebrated. So younger women can benefit from knowing the difference between the two. You're not celebrating missing out. You're not part of the rise of the dinks, double income, no kids, who brag about their child-free lifestyle on social media. What you experienced was something very different to them. Profound loss. The particular person featured in the article is getting counselling and has joined a support group. So what gets lost in the translation is that she made no conscious choice to remain childless. While it's healthy to remove the stigma of feeling that sense of loss, you don't want to inadvertently communicate to young women that the loss is non-existent or that you shouldn't prioritise motherhood. It's not that women who are mothers are more highly valued in society. Society just reflects our values. It's that women on average value motherhood. That's why they are grieving. It is not that society makes childless women feel devalued. It's the fact that childless women themselves feel this way. It's the fact they blame themselves for missing out on the very thing they valued, that they wanted. And the desire is innate. It's not an external pressure. It's biological. But of course the biological urge has influenced societal norms to make it easier to achieve. Hence the institution of marriage. Motherhood should be a priority for women who want children. If they miss out, they are going to feel a sense of loss. So to simply say that it shouldn't be valued is missing the point. It just is. It's biological. You can lead a productive life without children, but let's not kid ourselves or young women that it's equally desirable for the majority of women. Consider what you would want to tell your younger self. Would you want to give your younger self the benefit of your experience, that missing out was indeed traumatic and not ideal, but you've embraced life regardless? If you had your time over, you would have children earlier. So if you would prioritise motherhood if you had your time over, that is why society should prioritise mothers. They don't want women grieving or being sold a lie. We can't lie about the importance of motherhood for the sake of political correctness or to brainwash our young people. You know, the first lie is there's nothing more important than your career, more or less by definition. That's the first lie. The second lie is, there will be nothing more important to you in your life than your career. So that's the second lie. And then the third lie is, there should be nothing more important in your life than the, your career. So that's the third lie. What I've seen is that as women progress towards their late 30s, no, late 20s, there's a psychological transformation. And what happens is that they place less emphasis on their career and way more emphasis particularly on having a child and that really reaches a crisis point around 29 or 30 for the vast majority of women and and their attitude flips i think the importance of motherhood needs to be honestly communicated i think that fudging it to make the message palatable to childless women who have overcome their grief or women childless by choice who never grieve does a huge disservice to young women everywhere they are very impressionable they need the full picture, warts and all, not some post-grief counselling rosy picture 
all the bragging of dinks on social media popping open their bottles of champagne. They never suffered loss. They never grieved because they didn't want children to begin with. But they are a minority. Young women can be easily duped. Think how gullible you were in your youth. It's appealing to denigrate marriage and kids because it puts far less pressure on you. You can comfort yourself that if you do miss out, a very appealing lifestyle still awaits you. When you combine that with the very effective marketing of the dinks promoting their child-free lifestyle, you are setting young women and men up for serious grief later on. Young women who don't want the extra pressure kid themselves into believing they just don't want children to make their lives a little less complicated. But a lot of these women later on do a complete backflip. It's a protective mechanism early on to preserve self-esteem and well-being and remove pressure. People these days have a proclivity to shed responsibility. It's easier. It's less stressful. The danger is you can be caught completely unawares down the track, having to confront something that you lied to yourself about time and time again. It's very one-sided because women with families don't really feel the need to be posting on social media the joys of motherhood. Dinks post a lot because they're in the minority and they want to elevate their status. They feel they're not being as highly valued. In fact, it is their choice that runs counter to the maternal instinct that the majority of women share and can relate to. So instead, what they do is target young people. I think childless women who wanted to have children but missed out and parents need to get more vocal. Not wanting to have children is outside the norm. It's on the fringe. It doesn't make it wrong, but it runs counter to the biological instinct most women have. We know having children is costly and difficult, yet still most people aspire to do it. That's the biological instinct. Women shouldn't find themselves in the awful predicament of missing out on their last opportunity to have a child because their partner didn't have the serious conversation about not wanting children earlier on. It's heinous beyond all belief to do that to any woman. And we shouldn't pretend otherwise just to make the childless by choice minority feel validated. It's wrong. It's a minority position and so needs to be discussed to avoid real grief and trauma for the woman who assumed the man was on board with her baby plans. How would you know otherwise if it's not communicated? At the moment, men can say, well, I just didn't want children and we never really discussed it. Well, it's up to you to signal that you have this minority view, which potentially your partner may not share. You can't change the world to look like you, happy and childless, just to feel validated. That constrains people's freedom to think that family is important. It makes society pretend to devalue families to cater to a minority so that the minority doesn't feel bad. The proper course is to permit the majority to fulfil their life dreams and at the same time not devalue people who choose a different course, but certainly not pretend that it's the norm. I'm not a fan of lying to appease a particular group of people. Leaving things far too late makes women more likely to make bad judgment calls. The woman featured in the article describes a pregnancy with an unsuitable partner which wasn't planned and resulted in miscarriage. So the trauma for her was really twofold. One being the obvious loss of a pregnancy and two not experiencing pregnancy in the way she would have wanted with the right partner. 
and doing that knowing that it was potentially her last chance to have a baby. Women who leave it late are more likely to make bad partner decisions. They feel pressured to make the relationship work, a relationship which in their 20s they possibly would have ended. Another aspect is that when couples don't have children, they are more likely to separate. And then, as a separated woman, you face dating in your senior years, men who are more likely to have children and want to date women who also have children for that shared experience. So it's an issue that has ongoing ramifications. Another woman featured in that same article speaks about the sadness that comes with ageing and dating. The whole experience of growing older with someone is missed. And that's because marriage and babies went hand in hand and when having babies was devalued, marriage was also devalued. The hookup culture was promoted as something incredibly fun, sexy and liberating. But the problem is it gets old and you get old and your desirability gets old and your ovaries get old. Don't end up childless if that's not what you want. At least make a conscious choice as opposed to a choice by default. Don't default to no kids through procrastination, sticking your head in the sand or putting up with bad treatment. You are treating yourself poorly if you allow men to squander your fertile years without committing to a long-term relationship if that's what you want. So be bold. Shout it from the rafters. The Australian Institute of Family Studies in 2020 highlighted the key trends. While fertility rates are trending down, with women having fewer children, the desire is still strong. Only 5% of women don't want children, yet many, many more end up childless. These stats should really concern everyone. Anyone now a mother or father of a young girl should be really worried. That young girl has a 40% chance of remaining childless in 2030. And if your child is in their teens or younger, that probability is only likely to increase because rates have been on a downward trajectory since the fertility peak of the 1960s. Now you might say, I don't really care whether I'm a grandmother, but do you want your children to miss out on the experience of raising a child? If it's something that the majority of people find meaningful, why would you want to downplay that to your own flesh and blood? At the extreme, it leads to extinction, but way before that point, we have young women with depression and anxiety and women experiencing unmanageable grief, seeking out grief counsellors. We are a species like any other in the sense that we are at risk of harming ourselves if we adopt nihilistic attitudes, which is so destructive. You have to educate your children about the importance of family life. You can't leave it to the lofty academic institutions because they are awash with nihilism. At the moment, it's politically correct not to have children and to virtue signal your high moral stance prioritising the bigger social issues. Whether it's subordinating your maternal instinct for the sake of the environment, which is in vogue at the moment, or for some other social issue, having babies is seen as passe. But we can do both. It's not one or the other. So indoctrinate your kids. Don't get sucked into the propaganda. Question the result. Do we value our human existence enough to sustain it properly? We are below replacement rate in the West. Often things that sound good in theory do harm. Read George Orwell. 
you're basically advocating suffering for the sake of whatever ideology is being promoted. Take matters into your own hands, send a message, change the culture. We need to condemn rhetoric that denounces parenthood families or at least counter it with positives. There's a culture of embarrassment around marriage and babies and that creates a fear of speaking out in favour of marriage or the joys of parenthood. The way this is squashed is that you're brainwashed into thinking that it's not important, it does not add meaning to your life, or that speaking out someone somehow hurts the feelings of childless men and women. The responsibility rests with us, the current parents of young children who have sat by quietly allowing the truth, happiness from family life to be distorted and traded for a really poorly organised pursuit of various social justice platforms. Or simply for the sake of political correctness, making sure the minority is never offended, we need to get really vocal. I hope the publication of these stats and the attention being drawn to them by various commentators will change the conversation. Perhaps the most persuasive voice in changing the culture will be from those women now who are childless who did not want that. Please get in touch with me if you're able to speak about your desire to have a child that was squashed so that future generations of young women can know better what that feels like and can make a decision for themselves now about their priorities. So you're helping women not in your tribe now, not currently childless, but potentially will be given the stats to help them make better decisions now, to give them the benefit of your experience so they end up at a different place. It almost seems like a concerted war on motherhood. Even uh, last week there was a, an article or uh, over the weekend in the New York Times about the myth of the maternal instinct. And it talked about how, uh, you know, this, uh, this is a man-made phenomenon, culturally kind of a cultural script that we all buy into. If a young woman listening to this podcast can be persuaded to think about what dismissing the joy of motherhood might mean to her without being seduced by the edginess of political correctness or virtue signaling and other lies, that is really invaluable. That is a great service to women. If you're steadfast in your views to remain childless by choice, wonderful. You've explored the idea and rejected it. But if you have some lingering doubt, then you may want to be open to the possibility. You may want to choose to reorganise your life and the way you think about dating to better your odds of success with finding a like-minded partner earlier. And I'm not saying if you're on the fence you should have a child just to make sure you don't miss out. I think you can get a fair idea about where you sit the more you listen openly to all views. Only you can make this decision, but don't divest yourself of the power and hand it over either to a partner who doesn't want children or hand it over out of sheer embarrassment because it seems needy or out of vogue to want children or hand it over for the sake of some political ideology. Think for yourself about yourself and put yourself first. If you liked this podcast, please hit the subscribe button.